The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new Sirius XM streaming subscribers. Sirius XM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca, and with me today, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore himself, my tag team partner, Tommy Dreamer. Definitely a wacky Wednesday, because stuff that went down today was really uh, extreme. It was. We had Deanna Perrazzo on the show, the Virtuosa. We see her on Impact Wrestling, making an impact the last couple weeks and then at the end tommy we get a run-in from your knockouts champion jordan grace yeah unscripted and live we're live buddy sometimes uh things go arise and now dave you're uh you're all over social media again and i don't know if it's in a good way yeah both hate me and that's fine because it wouldn't be the first two women that don't like me also it doesn't matter you know why tommy because i made a new best friend today and his name is bertrand a bear who joins us today to talk about his book the eighth wonder of the world the true story of andre the giant the man the myth the legend andre the giant people still talk about him people have his tattoos he is the eighth wonder of the world for a reason Oh, God. And again, some great stories from his book. Again, the author, Bertrand A. Bear, joining us right now. That's right, Bertrand A. Bear, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Somebody who's the pride of Milton Jefferson Township, New Jersey. The one and only Deanna Perazzo. Deanna, how are you this morning? I'm very good. How are you? We're good. And man, have you made your presence felt? Obviously, Impact Wrestling showing the vignettes of you, getting the wrestling fans excited about you making your debut. But you didn't wait for that because obviously by watching the end of the show last week and then again that backstage vignette last night, Man, you are not waiting for anyone when it comes to Impact Wrestling. No, I think the last time I talked to you guys, I just told you I was vying for an opportunity. I was ready to prove myself um, to the fans, to a company, to people who believed in me. And, and Impact does. Impact understands who I am and, and what my goals are. 
Um, and I've just been able to like shoot out right from the gate. So it's been really fun and exciting for me. Sorry, but that's oh, go, go going ahead, Tom. on in my something's going on in my house right now. I have no clue what's happening. Somebody's screaming on a phone or something. I don't even know I had a phone in this house. Oh my anyway, Diana, <laughs> how are you? Well, I just want to make sure you guys can't hear it or there's some strange woman talking in my house so no one can hear it good. It just scared the hell out of me because I'm freaking by myself and all of a sudden. <laughs> You know, I, mean, I hear voices. Honest to God, really quick, really quick before what? we get to Deanna Pryor, and I'm sorry, Deanna, that I'm interrupting the interview. That's Tommy, okay. you should have your own reality show. Seriously. <laughs> like, you really need to pitch that to a major network. You need to have your own reality show. All right. I sorry, but I digress. Deanna. Please continue. I just got scared. I'm, there's freaking <laughs> voices going on in my house. I hear voices in my head like Randy Orton. <laughs> Diana, how are you, my dear? How's everything? I'm good. Very good. I can't complain. How are you, Tommy? I'm hanging in there, minus my gross beard. Um, you know, Dave, it was funny. You know, you and I had the pleasure of having Diana on, and I heard the uh, the fire in her voice. And, you know, we had mm-hmm. talked off the air, and I was just like, hey, if I could help you out. I knew Impact was kind of interested, and I had nothing to do except for kind of making the introduction, and the pieces fell into place. And it's a blessing to have uh, new talent to work with. But like, Deanna, before we were talking about motivation and talking about drive and talking about having creative freedom, that piece they did on you mm-hmm. last night, I didn't see until last night. That was awesome. Uh, there was things oh, thank that... You. Did you help put that together or did you give them stuff or... Um, so I just gave them pictures of me like growing up and, and like things that I had... Um, like all my pictures from all over. Um, and then we just kind of sat down the last day of tapings and was just like, talk about yourself, tell us your story. Um, so it was really exciting because I've never gotten to do that before. Uh, well, I was talking to Dave about a motive, motivation and with creativity that fuels our industry, but it fuels us as performers. What's the difference between NXT and Impact as well as like the locker rooms? Everyone at Impact is people that I've known from before I went to NXT and kind of people that I got to know um, like as I was coming up and, and have kind of seen me in every stage of my life. And um, they've just been so welcoming and, and everyone was so happy, um, whether they're actually happy or not, but seemed to be happy that I was in the locker room and just wanted me to, to feel a part and feel comfortable and, and not be on eggshells. And I think I never got to that point in NXT. I never got to the point of like, I'm comfortable in my position here and I know that others want me to succeed. So just that, that environment of feeling welcome and feeling like um, everyone wants me to do well and everyone understands who I am and understands what I'm about and, and kind of how I see wrestling and, and how I see myself um, fitting into the picture here was the most like liberating and freeing and, um, the best feeling that I wanted when I came back and went somewhere. Yeah. And I love the pictures, obviously, you know, Damian Adams, somebody that was so influential to you training you and, and it kind of, some of the pictures are almost like the who's who of the indie wrestling scene here in New Jersey where I live. And it's great to hear that story. And like you said, giving the opportunity to tell your story, because I don't think a lot of people know that story. And also for you, and I, and I mentioned this to Tommy at the beginning of the show, is that, you know, obviously, you know, being a part of the WWE and now being a part of it, I'm sure that was a dream of yours. And now, 
you know, that's been taken away. But you having a positive attitude. That, that was just weeks ago. And also, oh, by the way, it, there's a pandemic going on. And now you're being featured, you know, as a main eventer with another company. I mean, kudos to you. Because in that video, you also said, hey, there's some things that I need to do better, too. So when you look at your situation now, you have to be proud of yourself. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, like, yes, but it's also like I'm just proud that I've like stuck to who I am as a human being and people like that about me and wanted to help me because we are in a pandemic and the impact didn't need to hire anyone. No one is hiring right now. So the fact that they were like, we're going to bring you in as soon as we can give you a chance and let you show the world what you're about and, and what they've been missing. Um, no other place is doing that with anyone right now. So I am really grateful and in a really good position um, that I'm so thrilled to be in. I also like for me and Deanna, I was in pretty much the same spot with as you I had a chip on my shoulder when I left WWE and my first person I went after was besides Bully Ray after that was AJ Styles because I wanted the world to know I was 39 years old and I wanted to go after the best and that was AJ as well as I had something to prove. Is that why you kind of targeted Jordan? Um, yeah, absolutely. And that hits it on the head. It's like, if you're going to come back with a vengeance and, and that's exactly how I feel, then I'm going to go for the person that is looked at as number one. Jordan Grace is the impact knockouts champion. She is number one on this roster and I wanted to be number one for way too long. So I'm going to become number one at, by any means necessary. All right. You wait and Tommy, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you no said worries. by any means necessary. So and this is where, like, there's a little bit of a rift and a little bit of a problem with what I feel that you did the last couple of weeks. Because Jordan Grace said it, even in the backstage interview last night, like, if you wanted an opportunity, if you wanted a chance at the Knockouts Championship, you know, she is the champion. I think there's a respect factor there. Why didn't you just go up to her and ask for an opportunity? Why didn't you kind of go the right way of doing things and, you know, having yourself being introduced and then ask for that opportunity or earn that opportunity? Why did you feel you had to do what you did the last couple of weeks? I've asked for an opportunity every place that I've been up until this point, and I haven't gotten one. I've waited. I've been told to be patient, and I was patient, and it got me nowhere. So I'm done asking for things. I'm done waiting for the perfect opportunity to, to be polite and to be um, courteous. I want to be the best. I am the best technical women's wrestler in the world. I'm not going to wait for Impact to be like, well, if you want to challenge her. No, my intentions were made clear on day one. I'm here to be the best. I'm here to prove myself. I'm here to be knockouts champion. And it doesn't matter if it was Jordan Grace, or if it was still Tyre Valkyrie, or before that it was Tessa Blanchard, I was coming in to put someone in a Fujiwara armbar. And I've done that now for two weeks with Jordan Grace. So if someone did that to me week one, I would have eyes behind my head. And I would be expecting um, someone to strike from, from any, any direction, any which way. And Jordan Grace still hasn't learned yet. So this week, it's, it wasn't my fault. She needed to be prepared, and she wasn't, and that's not my problem. Well, what are your feelings on Jordan Grace? I think Jordan Grace is a good representation for that knockouts champion. I think she's been a great champion. What's your take on her? I think she's been a great champion. Um, I think that she has proved herself in Impact Wrestling. She's been here for a long time. She's been through all the girls, and, and she is 
the champion. She beat Taya, who was the longest reigning champion. So she has all the credentials behind her, but she's a hothead. She cannot keep calm um, in the face of adversity. And we proved that last night. She, she got hot, she got upset, and she got her arm broken again. So I think that my biggest advantage when it comes to Jordan Grace is, um, you know, maybe not my strength, not my size, but it's mind games that I can play. It's keeping calm and cool and collected under pressure. And from what I've seen so far, she can't. Wow. Well, Dave, when Deanna debuted, I was there. And, you know, a lot in Impact, everybody watches everybody else's matches, everybody else's stuff. Just because it's like a very, very team effort. My favorite part of Impact, too, is no one is there to rip somebody down. They are there to build people up. And we all learn from mistakes. And people come up to me, even if I'm not the agent, or they'll come up to Gail Kim or Madison Rain, who's been helping out, or Scott Demore, and be like, what did you think? Or they'll just give their opinion. And a lot of times that I know it's not like, it's not where you feel like you have to please everybody or you're getting advice from one person and then it's going to be different from the other person because if I had, if it's not my match and I give an opinion, I'll go to Gail if it was Gail's match and be like, Gail, blah, 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 blah. And those are the two so-called agents and we're discussing how to make the match and that person better. And we also don't do it behind that person's back. We do it in front of everybody. So there's no miscommunication there because like, like, and I always say Tom Brady may be the best quarterback of all time. He's won the most Super Bowls, but he's thrown interceptions. He's made mistakes so far. We haven't, uh, Deanna, when she came in, she didn't do it from behind. She came out there, offered her hand, and then she did kind of sucker her in a little bit, but at least she did it face to face last night. And we just heard, by the way, wrestling uh, via just audio sounds like murder. Uh, I don't know if we should ever have wrestling on the radio, but, uh, you know, that was a little different. Tommy, can and- you guys hear me? Hello? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Who's this? Is, Jordan? Who's, is, Hello? is this Jordan, Jordan Grace? Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Grace. Grace. I'm, I'm really sorry, guys. I just can't sit back and listen to someone talk shit about me like this. And it seems like every time I call into you guys' show... Someone is talking shit about me. So, Deanna, I can't see you right now, but I want you to listen to me. I know. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, we hear you. We hear you. We're listening. Believe me, we're listening. No, Deanna, shut up and listen to me. I know you came to Impact with a chip on your shoulder, but there is a right way and a wrong way to go about making a name for yourself, and you chose the wrong way. I might have been able to forgive you for attacking me on your debut night, but you've assaulted me now not once but twice. And, you know, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to make a statement by going after the biggest dog in the yard. But in reality, seriously, all you've done is piss me off. And so the next time that we wrestle, I'm literally going to fucking crush you. Do you understand me? Can you hear me? What I can understand is the disrespect coming into my platform. Impact asked me to do an interview today and you're jealous and you want to come in and ruin something that had nothing to do with you. And that's disrespectful. And all I can say is that it's unbelievable, but like, I'm not surprised because you are classless and you cannot see 
that what you're doing is wrong. I have become the the, the face of the knockouts division <laughs> and I haven't even stepped in the ring yet. And that drives you crazy. And I get it, Jordan, but let's face reality. I attacked you twice and I got you in my submission twice. And when we meet in the ring, whenever that day might be, look at me, hear me, understand that you lose your championship and I will become the knockouts champion. Diana, I will so give you a title you match. Want, I'll give you a title interact match. Interact all you want. Anytime you want, I'll give you a title match, and then you can finally you know see what, what you know what? I don't need to be knockouts champion. I was giving my time. I was gracious enough to come on to Bust It Open, and, and you you ruined that. So have a great day, Tommy. Have a great day. I, I, I'm done. Wow. Deanna's out. I mean, I, I, I'll on, say this. Jordan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Tommy. All right. Um, sorry you're fired up. I know you listen to the show. Uh, thanks for calling. Yeah, Tommy, um, I'm a big fan of you guys, but I just don't understand how come there's so many people always talking shit. I don't understand it. What's the deal? You and, never and have really, me on, but you have all these other people on that want to talk bad about me. You can well, come I mean, on when, whenever yeah, you I like. Mean, yes, uh, please. Apologize uh, for, you know, as you know, there's a lot of haters in the world. And uh, I, I see it because we're friends and I know it affects you. That's probably the... I've you're fired up and you know, sometimes don't let people uh, bother you. I can, I get it. Um, you are the face of the knockouts division. You're a hell of a champion, a hell of an athlete. Uh, thanks for calling. And if you want, we'll arrange it. So you come on whenever you want to promote whatever you want. And uh, you know, we appreciate uh, hell. This was, I don't know what the hell was going on. I thought like I lost people. That was pretty cool. <laughs> no, but really quick though, well, Jordan, and, and, gonna, and thank you. I'm going to hop off here. I'm sorry oh. for interrupting you guys. Okay. No, I'm no. Sorry. I mean, because you have every right to be upset. You have every right to be upset. Deanna Perrazzo just said, and, and and we do like Deanna Perrazzo, but she said that you were disrespectful for jumping in on this conversation on Busted Open. She jumped in on your interview from last night. You irony, you were right? in the, the process. Uh, you were in the process of saying, "Hey, if you want a championship opportunity, just come up and ask." And she interrupted you and attacked you. So I think you know her saying you being disrespectful. I think that's an eye for an eye after what I saw the last two weeks on Impact Wrestling, Jordan. Yeah, she can have a title shot anytime she wants. I'm not afraid of her. I'm here. I'll be there at Slammiversary. So let's see what she says. Uh, right, open invitation. Open invitation, Tommy. Right, open invitation for Jordan Grace anytime she wants. She is the knockouts champion. She's the champ. So open invitation anytime she wants to join this show, Tommy. Yeah, and uh, I saw on social media today's uh, anniversary of you getting hit by a bike. I don't know why you didn't hit the car back. And uh, I know you've been having some shoulder issues, but uh, thanks for joining in. And I appreciate you, and I look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, Tommy, talk to you soon. The Yak and Barack Show. When your first step to resolve something is go to social media or to go to a public forum to vent, I think that just makes you take two steps backwards in even trying to resolve it in the first place. You know, so I just think not just boxing media, boxing promoters, and boxers should refrain from letting social media be the place we you know where we hold court. Weekdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. Jordan Grace was really pissed.
Honestly, Tommy, sounded like Jordan Grace was kind of upset with us because she said every time she comes on Busted Open is because somebody's talking shit about her. And she's kind of right. I mean, maybe it's time for us to kind of book the knockout champion and have her on because I guess we're as guilty as everyone else is that we're talking about Deanna Perrazzo because she's new, she's fresh out of the WWE, but Jordan Grace is your Impact Wrestling Knockouts champion. And, you know, Jordan Grace has got a legitimate gripe, Tommy, not only with us, but with Deanna Perrazzo. I mean, Deanna Perrazzo is pissed off because Jordan Grace is interrupting our interview on our show. Well, I mean, Jordan is right. Deanna, look what you did last night on Impact Wrestling and the week before. Jordan Grace not getting the respect that she deserves as your knockouts champion, Tommy. Uh, Yeah, that was uh, pretty awkward and... I, I, dude, I lost audio. I had some ghost speaking before during the Deanna thing. I apologize for that. But, uh, that was, uh, that was when we talk about real, uh, you know, at times I look at uh, people's social media and I see, and I'm like, Whoa, where did this come from? And I know last week we were talking about different wrestlers going at it via social media. It was like what Brian cage and somebody went, uh, Oh, uh, not Lana. Uh, what was her her name? Lacey Evans. Um, they went at it on social media. That's a, a match that can happen slash there's no payoff, but, uh, Jordan does get met with a lot of negativity on social media. She is one of those people that addresses it head on, on her Twitter. I've watched her as a performer, uh, really, really come into her own in Impact Wrestling and grow as a performer. Uh, I'm a big fan of her, especially her in-ring and her style. And when I saw Deanna put that Fujiwara armbar on her, if you go back and look at it, she torqued the hell out of her shoulder. And it, it's only a certain degree of pressure that you need to separate somebody's shoulder. And I remember... Jordan coming in the back and this was also Deanna's debut and like she was pissed like she she was grabbing her shoulder and she was you know and then later I was like you're right she goes oh, it was it was tight yeah don't worry I'll get her I'll get she'll get hers and you know instead of talking on social media I guess they chose this platform which is uh, pretty cool because we got to just see something experience it though I don't know if uh, radio will like that, but that was uh, very, very real. What just went on, and uh, yeah, I thought uh, you need to just be. If you're going to be the voice of reason, you got to learn how to like step up and just kind of like go there. You got instead of just calling your famous hip toss, you got to be like, well, ladies, let's calm down. I mean, come on, what would have Mean Gene done during that situation, David? I know, and it was. And listen, I'll be the first one to admit it. You know, we we love Deanna Perrazzo. I'm a Jersey guy. You know, the head of our channel, Mother Marissa, is a Jersey girl. Gabby's a Jersey girl. So she's getting a lot of support. And then we have people connected with the show that aren't Jersey people. Obviously, somebody gave Jordan Grace the number or Jordan Grace. I think Jordan Grace actually had the number uh, from the last time we had her on. Um, and again, another situation where somebody was talking bad about her, where she called in and kind of gave her peace. And she did it again here uh, today on Busted Open and understandable because she's been kind of outshined 
by Deanna Perrazzo. And if you're Jordan Grace and you've been with Impact Wrestling now for a while and you worked your ass and you've become champion, you know, beating Taya, becoming a champion, and Taya was a long-reigning champion, uh, knockouts champion with Impact, and you, you busted your ass and now you're the champ, and now you're kind of getting outshined by somebody who's hasn't even had a match on Impact Wrestling, yes. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating, Tommy, for somebody like Jordan Grace. And the fact that she's not being given the respect that she deserves as champion. She's not being asked to be a guest on Busted Open. Deanna Perrazzo's not doing things the right way. She's kind of being outshot. And I got to be honest with you, Tommy, and I love Jordan Grace, and she's done a great job as champion, and I think she's very underrated how skilled she is in the ring. Deanna is somebody that's got people's attention. Why? Because she was with the WWE. Why? Because she did make a, a, a crazy entrance with Impact. Because Impact Wrestling is putting together vignettes to tell Deanna's story. Because all radio shows and TV want to talk to Deanna Perrazzo. That's got to be incredibly frustrating for Jordan Grace. Absolutely. And, you know, before... We were interrupted when I was talking about, you know, my scenario going after AJ Styles because wanted to be the best. And and I know Deanna addressed it. Jordan is the best because she is the champion. And I want to give kudos. Uh, I guess we normally say I would say as a man, but as a person, you know, and Dave, you you know this and we you could get you could say everything right, but you're going to have people that disagree with you. And then you could also have people who are so going to spew hate your way. Uh, or negativity, this is twice now that Jordan Grace has addressed an issue on this show that has personally affected her and willing to fight for what she stands for. And that is a great type of person. Uh, She's not hiding behind a a keyboard. She addressed uh, a situation that was making internet rounds regarding the Sandman a long time ago, I believe. And now she's addressing... It with Deanna Perrazzo. And if there's legit heat there, at least she was like, and, and here's the beauty of professional wrestling. Cause sometimes uh, a lot of times in the best stories and when we say in real life imitates art. And if there's an issue, they'll go out there and settle it in the ring and who benefits it. I would love to say fans in attendance, but the fans who are going to watching it at home. And if you also listen, Dave, uh, she straight up said, if you wanted a shot at me, all you had to do was ask. You have my attention. But Deanna didn't say she wanted to face her straight up. So I know she's a great wrestler, but she did not say or, or accept if it was old school wrestling promo. I'll take you on uh, at Slammiversary, blah, blah, blah. They basically were like, hey, you got an issue. Let's settle this. And, she, you know, it. so that was... Uh, I liked what just went down, but I also like that at least uh, Jordan is woman enough to be like, you want to talk smack about me? I'll talk smack about you, but at least I'll do it to your face. Soccer is a passion that goes beyond the sport. And Sirius XMFC's podcast, More Than a Game, brings that passion to you. Can you believe it? In each episode, FC's panel of experts take a deep dive into club histories, iconic grounds, bitter rivalries, and so much more. There's nothing like a Derby Day in Manchester. New episodes are available weekly by downloading the Pandora app and searching More Than a Game.
And the name of the book is The Eighth Wonder of the World, The True Story of Andre the Giant. And like you said, Tommy, somebody who's a fan and now has become an amazing author. Bertrand A. Bear joins us right here on Busted Open. Sir, how are you this morning? I'm very good. Thank you for the invitation. I'm happy no, to be here. No, very, very cool to have you on. And, you know, there was the, the HBO documentary not too long ago, and I really think this is an amazing, detailed companion to that documentary, an amazing read uh, that goes very, very quickly because, boy, as you know, the life and the career of Andre the Giant is like no other. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the documentary has only 80-some minutes to, to dwell into that life and then into that career. So with the book, we were able to go so much deeper uh, into his early days in France uh, to his starting to, to get noticed outside of France to his uh, early career in Japan. Then, you know, his entry in North America to Montreal and finally uh, getting to Vince McMahon Sr. and uh, at the time, WWWF um, and, and becoming uh, the legend that he is. How hard, because I know you, you know, you wrote Pat Patterson's book. How hard or difficult was it to tell Andre's story with Andre not being alive, as opposed to Pat, where you're talking to Pat and Pat's, rec, uh, you know, talking about his own life. I mean, we, we did work on, on the Mad Dog Richon biography as well. So we had some experience in working with, with a subject that had passed away. But Andre did not last as much interviews as Maurice did, actually. And it's a totally different process. Um, my, my partner, who worked on the HBO documentary, Pat Leprad, uh dwelled into the research of newspapers and his early days in France. And, and, and he did make a lot of contact with the family. But we've been in contact with his nephew, Bert since uh, the first book we wrote about the Montreal resting territory, Mad Dogs, Midgets, and Screwjob. So from there, you know, it was a slow process to go to that Andrew subject after the documentary. And, and it was a different, much more difficult in the sense that you have to dig a little bit deeper. But they, we were so lucky that there were still people out there like uh, Stan Anson or uh, Mean Gene Oakland, which I interviewed for the book, who, who had known Andrew on a more a personal level. And that are still were still there at the time to to speak with us, and we were able to to get a portrait. And, and uh, there was a quite a few more French interview that Andrew left behind as well that we were able to use, that were much more personal and less wrestling uh, storyline oriented. So, you know, we did a lot of digging. Uh, I think there's like close to ten pages of reference at the end. So we tried to make it. The, the best book and the ultimate book about Andrew's life. And uh, I think, I mean, so far, I mean, the, we, we've been getting a lot of love about the book and we're very proud of it. You know, the book starts uh, with WrestleMania three in 1987. That's like the introduction uh, to the book. And I think that's probably, especially a lot of younger fans, that's the moment and that's the match uh, that most people remember, even though the WWF, you know, posted that as the first ever match between Andre and Hogan. Uh, not necessarily true. Probably have to go back another 10 years to really find their first match together, right? Yeah, I mean, they've been working together almost since Hulk kind of became a, a star. And, and Andre saw Hulk as potential uh 
successor, somebody that could actually uh, be be the next Andre, if you will. Uh, so, and, and that's why he made his life a little bit difficult at first, and, and ultimately, you know, that led us to the WrestleMania three match. Which, the way the WWE has uh, put the match on, I mean, it's on on every show. It opens the show of every wrestling that they present on television. And I, I suspect that it's going to be that way forever um, because that is the centerpiece of their mythology. So uh, that's how important Andre is. I mean, people who will never are not born yet who are going to become fans of professional wrestling are going to learn about Andre the Giant because he's so important to the uh, that WWE mythology. So. Was there something, uh, after you answer your question, I'll tell you something, what me and Dave just found fascinating. Was there something that in your own book or your own discovery that totally blew your mind away, like about a story of Andre or something that happened where you were just like, whoa, like, because I mean, we all have those. I know you're a big fan too, but something that yeah. totally like you did not see coming or just something you were like really, really proud to share beside, I mean, of course the whole book, but just something that totally caught you off guard. Well, I mean, there, there was always a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a Montreal wrestling territory buff, and that's where I, I love to learn wrestling. So uh, learning, you know, a superstar, Bill Eady, uh, was the one who, who put us on that track. Uh, I always suspected that when Andrew sold his share of the Montreal wrestling territory, it had more to do with Vince Jr. moving in with the expansion and Andrew having to be exclusive and just, you know, that seemed logical at the time, but it seems that, you know, there, there was some uh, conflict uh, on the inside and that Dino Bravo and Andre didn't go, went, went along too good. And that led after a tour of Japan for Andre to request that they buy back his share. But he was a little bit hurt by that because he felt pushed out. That's now how the Gino Brito remembers it uh, because Andre was not one to lose a lot of time about explaining and, and spending a lot of time in conflict. So he just moved on. But I was surprised because that that's not the answer I was suspecting I was going to find. Wow. Uh, when Dave and I did the territories with the AWA, Greg Gagne told an amazing story that really would have changed the landscape of professional wrestling. Uh, when Hogan was in the AWA and he was, you know, kept losing to Nick Bockwinkel coming oh so close and they did some screw job finishes, they were going to basically do Hogan winning the title uh, from Bockwinkle on CBS, but the backstory of that, and it was going to be, you know, three, what, Dave, three years before the WrestleMania happened, and it was going to be on national television because they were working on a deal with CBS. The backstory of that, Andre was going to win a number one contenders battle royal, and they were going to do Hogan versus Andre on CBS nationally before it ever happened. And I know the matches had happened before, but this would have been a much bigger prediction. The entire face of wrestling would have changed. And Andre was just ready to go for it because he would get his bookings from Vince. And then right after that, they pulled Hogan, you know, Hogan went and then they pulled Andre from the territory. But I mean, if you could just imagine what could have happened if, if that maybe WrestleMania would not have sold out at the Pontiac Silver me and Dave were blown away with those ramifications. I mean, that, that 
obviously, I mean, that, that would have been huge because, like, like I mentioned, I mean, everything the WWE built around the WrestleMania 3 match and everything that would follow, and, and we go into that into details. I mean, if you think about WrestleMania 3, everything that follows from uh, Survivor Series to SummerSlam to the Royal Rumble is built uh, on their first go, going out on the Andrea and Ogun feud. Uh, so, I mean, if that match would have seen national light like that on CBS before uh, WWE got their end on the program uh, at the national level, I mean, it would have changed everything, of course. Yeah. I think, uh, oh, go ahead, Tom. Oh, sorry, Dave. You, no, no Dave, go you go. No, no, okay. no, no. Because uh, uh, I was just saying about, you know, you know, because you mentioned the stage of Andre the Giant and how much he did in the world of pro wrestling. He was really, and he doesn't get a lot of credit for this, and he should, he was really one of the first pro wrestlers to kind of break out into the mainstream as well. We were talking earlier about, you know, being on the $6 million man and, and of course, the Princess Bride. Like, I, I think that really helped, uh, you know, getting pro wrestling popular in the late 70s and early 80s. Of course, I mean he was the man, uh, and even the night Ogan won the, the the title, I mean he was on David Letterman. It's not Ogan that's on Letterman; it's Andre, and he, he did the Tonight Show and the Six Million Dollar Man. And even to to the boys, I mean Rick Martel told us uh, that, and it's in the book, how impressed everybody was that he was reaching that level that he was on those shows and that he got movies offer and, and things of that nature because that's not something that they thought was possible. We're, we're years ahead of what The Rock did or even what Ogan did and they, they could not phantom the idea of being brought into that world so uh, they, they, they respected Andrew a lot and, and that's also a very uh, notice, noticeable thing. People who work with him, even not not long. I mean, Andre was not just over with the crowd. He was also over with the other boys. He, he was a very popular figure and somebody that uh, they all respected very much. I think for me, his loyalty to the WWE, Vince McMahon Sr., and as well as Vince uh, himself were, you know, if you think about it, you know, he was booked out by them all the time traveling everywhere. He, you know, he lived his life on the road, but that loyalty, it wasn't like they had a, a contract, but he just basically trusted them. Hey, you're going to go out there. You're going to go do this, that, the other thing, you know, wrestling. And, but that loyalty without having a contract And my, my favorite part of the Andre, the giant story. And it was Vince McMahon who said it. He was like, no, Andre, I need you to come back. And he was like, no, I can't. I'm doing this movie. Plus I'm hurt. And then Vince was like, I need you. And as for Vince McMahon to say he needs somebody and then Andre to do it, you know, beat up and have that match that he had at WrestleMania and, you know, the whole story leading up to it where he does, you know, he's not telling Hogan the finish, all that stuff. It's great, great intrigue and which also added to the lore to me of Andre the Giant. I mean, obviously, I mean, that, that, that whole match, I think for today's fan, I mean, what we're, we're seeing right now in the last ride between the relationship between the, uh, Vince Jr. and uh, The Undertaker is, is as close as you're going to get of a, an image for today. So that that match was very important. And, the, you know, he was brought in because 
after that match, he needed the surgery because there was always a story told that the surgery to his back was before WrestleMania 3, but it's actually happened after. We were able to discover paperwork that were done for his uh, visas that indicated that the operation took place after WrestleMania 3. So after WrestleMania 3, he didn't know if physically he was ever going to be able to do another match. Um, so for him, that match was important. It was the match that he knew because he was going to be linked to Hulk forever on that stage. And, and it was important to him. And it did. I mean, it, like I mentioned before, he, he act, he's actually opening every WWE wrestling show that they put on. <laughs> it opens with Ogan and Henry at WrestleMania. So for him, it is his legacy. It's funny you say that because earlier me and Dave were talking about making things special. And it's because they're always reminding us of what is special. And Andre was so special. I've been in Vince's office. I saw the cast uh, of Andre the Giant in Vince's office. And I've also seen the boots in Vince's office. So he does hold near and dear to Vince's heart, especially because, I mean, we could all talk about it, but everyone always goes to WrestleMania 3 as, you know, where the business definitely changed and the 93,000 people that were drawn there, even though that record was broken. But most people just talk about WrestleMania 3 as opposed to breaking it later in Dallas. But it's because of they made it feel so, so special. Oh, of course. I mean, and when you go back, I mean, the network is so beautiful for that. You can go back and you can relieve it relive the buildup step by step until the match and that buildup is magnificent those piper's pit i mean to this day i never get tired of watching those those series of the piper's pit lead, leading up to the challenge being accepted and, and even if the match i mean obviously you know andrew was not the same wrestler he was uh, 10 years earlier uh, at that point you know they still deliver uh, a match that that drew that big of a crowd so all of all out i mean that is uh, an amazing moment and like like i said i mean even if you're not born and you're going to become a wrestling fan you're going to learn about that match and it's going to be so important in the way you see the whole business so you know, in, in the book, you get a lot into Hogan and Andre, and not just about WrestleMania 3, but you really get into detail, which I really like about the book. And the book's fantastic, by the way, and everybody should Thank buy you. it. It's the eighth wonder of the world, the true story of Andre the Giants, available now. I actually, on on my social media, uh, put the link of the Amazon where you can go and you, and you can purchase the book. But, you know, Bertrand, like, you get into the whole national push of the WWF in 1984 and then leading up to that and you know uh vince mcmahon jr buying out vince mcmahon senior and becoming the sole owner of the wwf and also the importance of hogan in that and you talk about uh you know them stealing away hogan from the awa how important was it to get hogan from the awa and how important was that relationship between hogan and andre in making that national push in 1984 I mean, clearly, I mean, they, they, they are so strong together. I mean, they had drawn money uh, in different places. I mean, in Montreal, I mean, they had the first sold-out uh, show for the, the promotion that Andre owned together on top uh, following the Shea Stadium match. 
So, you know, they had a record of drawing great together, and it was the first time that Andrew was ever presented as a heel here in North America. He had worked as a heel in Japan and all bit in England, but here, I mean, for the first time, he was going full heel because until that point in time, and Andrew was the, the attraction that came to town. He was the sheriff that would come in and, and be the equalizer for the babyface side against the heels, things of that nature. He was uh, never put in that position to be uh, the aggressor and to be the, the bad guy. So that was in itself a very interesting dynamic. And Hulk, I mean, was going to become after that, I mean, what we know Hulk to be. So that relationship was very important. And early on, Rick Martel said to us that uh, Andre knew right away that Hulk was special and that that he might just be that guy. And that's why he was on his case in Japan and he pushed and he pushed and he tested him. And and until the end, even at WrestleMania 3, he was testing him. Uh, Although, you know, for Pat Patterson, I mean, it was clear that Andre was just messing with Hulk Hogan that day and that there was no question in Andre's mind that the right finish was to put over uh, Hulk. And, And we had spoke to Edouard Carpentier back uh, when we did the first book, and that's one of the things he had asked. He said, he asked Andre, why, why did you put Hulk over? He said, and to Andre, the answer was that his legacy was going to be forever linked to the one Hulk was going to get. And, and we were told also that Andrew was very business smart to the wrestling business. And obviously, you know, his decision in that case were perfectly, uh, the, the perfect decision. So I think uh, they were the, that very rare com- combination of uh, opponents that have drawn money almost everywhere they went. And uh, that is going to be forever one of the biggest and the most uh, successful program in WWE history. Do you have a favorite moment of Andre uh, or like where you saw him live too? Oh my God. Uh, Actually, the first show we ever went to the forum, uh, I think in 80 something, (laughs) it's been so long, but that was amazing. It was Stan Anson and and Andre, and it was the return of wrestling to the Montreal forum after uh, years uh, without show there. And that was a big deal. Uh, And, you know, seeing Andre live and in person, because I actually, the first show we attempted to do as a go as a kid was supposed to be Andrea and Big John Studd, and that was another sellout at the old Paul Sove Arena. And, you know, we decided to go or convince my dad to go on the same day, and we actually missed the show because it was sold out. And just the atmosphere of the lobby, of hearing the crowd roar as the show was starting, even though we were stuck outside, that to me was an amazing memory. And so to finally see him at the forum after that, that was just uh, very special. And, and, you know, Gino Brito told us how amazing he was drawing outside of the wrestling fans because just people knowing that Andrew the Giant or the Giant was in town was enough to draw people to a wrestling show that would have never gone anyways. So uh, I remember that very fondly uh, as far as the Montreal uh, scene goes. You know, it's it's funny funny you you mentioned... Oh, go ahead, Tommy. Sorry. (laughs) Wow. And we're starting with the same thing. Um, That was pretty crazy. I was going to say, it's funny that you say about wrestling in Montreal. One of my favorite parts about it, sometimes I would park my car at the hotel and just walk to 
the building because most of us would stay right next door to the to the venue. And when you mentioned the lobby, it was one of the few times that the lobby was packed with wrestling fans where you almost had to you know, fight your way to get to the elevator. And then I remember even after that, like it wasn't, I don't want to say safe, but you, you couldn't just park your car. Like I couldn't walk to my hotel, which was only a block because there were so many fans outside. And I think that's what makes the Mon- Montreal territory, but makes Montreal so special because wrestling fans from Montreal truly love and appreciate the wrestlers and wrestling. I mean, for years, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, for years, I was that guy at the back of the forum trying to get autographs and pictures with, with the wrestlers. Uh, so uh, it is a, a tradition, if you will. And before a show, it's always a very special uh, atmosphere in the lobby. Uh, people are very excited about the show. I remember our last house show here uh, for WWE, and it was a new building. So there was that excitement of being there and seeing the, the, the wrestler live. And there's nothing like seeing a show live, and there was nothing like seeing uh, Andre live uh, for the first time or even the second or third time. Amazing talking to you. Again, the book is called The Eighth Wonder of the World, The True Story of Andre the Giant. It's available now. I put it up on my social media, a link where you can purchase the book. And please do, because I'm telling you, once you start reading, you're not going to be able to put it down. And Bertrand Hebert, I mean, fantastic book. Once again, you're killing it. You know, I, for somebody who was a fan and now are, you know, authoring these amazing books, we really uh, appreciate the time today. Thank you very much for the invitation, and we want to thank all the fans that have bought the book so far and those who, that we will, and, and we, we've put a lot of love in, in, in those projects and because we want to write something that we would enjoy as fans, so I think uh, we can reach uh, the fan in all of us. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barak Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Really cool talking to Bertrand Debert, the eighth wonder of the world, the true story of Andre the Giant. Amazing author. Like you said, he did the Mad Dog Vashon book, also did the book uh, Help Pat Patterson with his book Accepted, which I thought was a very good read as well. And I tweeted out, Tommy, about um, you know your favorite Andre the Giant memories and you know, we got, you know, Joe in North Carolina mentioned The Princess Bride. Matt Brown mentioned the $6 million man episode. Our good friend Ken Reedy said, uh, you know, the Piper's Pit uh, with Hogan and Andre, the, the the shirt being ripped off and Piper saying you're bleeding with the broken cross. I mean, uh, but it's it's amazing, though, that a lot of people are tweeting Princess Bride. Princess Bride more than more than any other of his wrestling memories. Now a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that you know we have some you know some younger audiences in his heyday was probably you'd have to be over the age of forty to really relive a lot of his main memories as a wrestler. But it shows you the impact of Andre that you're getting a lot of TV and movie when it comes to favorite memories about Andre the Giant. 
Well, I remember him on the $6 million man. And David, as you know, I don't lie. I would like to confess something here on the air. Are you ready? Go ahead. It's going to shock you. I think, you know what, before you say it, Tommy, I think I'm going to have the same answer as you, but go right ahead. I've never seen The Princess Bride. Oh, that went another way. Wow, (laughs) did that go another way? You've never seen The Princess Bride? Nope, I've seen clips of it. I I don't like uh, those like Hamlet type of movies, Uh, never liked it. And I know Andre was in it and I know it's a comedy. I'll probably go back and watch it somehow, some way now, but no, I've never seen The Princess Bride. Well, I'll say this, Tommy, and I've said this to Bully on the air many times. Like, if the movie has a castle in it, I automatically hate it. I hate those period pieces movies with the Victorian dresses and all that shit. I hate any movie like that. Like, the, you know, Bully comes on the air, you know, Victoria Abdul and all that crap. Horrible. Don't want to watch it. Don't care. But I will say this, Tommy, The Princess Bride is a classic. It is a comedy. I mean, you have Billy Crystal, you have uh, Peter Falk. I mean, you know, it's it's an amazing, and you have Andre. And not Andre in just a small cameo appearance. Andre's in this movie a lot, Tommy. You have to watch The Princess Bride. Amazing movie. Well, you know what? I'm actually not going to watch it because Andre didn't call in. So a little mad at him for that. Wow. Okay. All well, right. where'd you think this conversation was going to go? I was. Being I very, was going to listen. I, I, first of all, I handled that interview very, very well. I did not correct him for saying Andre when it's Andre, but yeah, I know he's French and he's also my friend. But I know yeah. there's viewers like because I saw a social media. Some friend he didn't saying, even give you a physical copy of the book. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, he, Stop. I thought. I thought, I, no, you said in the beginning of the show that you got a digital copy, copy not a physical I copy. Re- I requested it. I got a Nick Bockwinkel shirt. I get whatever I want. People <laughs> send me stuff. My address right. is Gabby. What's your address? <laughs> Tell me your address. <laughs> no, don't Gabby. Gabby, stay quiet till Diva on Divas. Um, no, I, I was going to confess that the first time I saw Andre the Giant was not in a wrestling ring, but actually the episode of the $6 million man when he played Bigfoot. If you had the opportunity, would you, if you could have a daddy soda with anyone, if they said Ric Flair or Andre the Giant, who would you want to have a daddy soda with? It would be Ric Flair. I mean, because Ric Flair is my favorite wrestler of all time. But also, too, that Andre could be ornery, man. Like, he may not like me. And he may like, oh, he like he might, he might. I also think you really like saying Bertrand Herbert, by the way. <laughs> Bert- I think you have, Bert- a, you have a romantic tone to you when you say that because you say his first and last name all the time. And I also <laughs> laugh when he said he used to be one of those fans. I could totally picture be bully, like bum rushing through the family. Get out of my way, you fucking mock. <laughs> totally picture that. <laughs> I'm taking a fucking picture with you. Let's <laughs> go. Fat man. Our modern day Andre, 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 whatever. Bertrand Bear. Bertrand Bear. Let's go out to the busted open nation. Let's go out to the people's mailman in Texas. People's mailman, give us an Andre memory, my friend. Well, it's going to be about the same one you got, Dave. First time I ever saw Andre was on $6 million man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I got to be honest. That's the first time I saw Andre the Giant was on the Six Million Dollar Man. And there's one y'all might—I don't know if y'all remember the show, The Greatest American Hero. 
He made oh, a was... guest star on that, too. Did he really? I did not know that. Yeah. I have to go back and watch yeah. The Greatest American now, Hero. By the end, I knew who he was, but. Yeah. But. All yeah, right. I just wanted to call in and give my two cents. All right, you got it, People's Mailman. For a second, I didn't know if that was the People's Mailman or Bertrand Hébert. I mean, I think they found they sound very similar with their accents. Stop saying his first and last name. What is wrong with you? You're a journalist. I'm here with Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, not Tommy Dreamer all the time. What's wrong with you? You're losing your journalistic integrity. I'm not a journalist. Your host is a buffoon. <laughs> I'm not a journalist. I'm a talk show host. There's a difference. So if I choose to call him the author of that book, Bertrand Hébert, continuously without just saying his first thing, because Bertrand, I don't know, I, I, you know why? I don't know if I'm saying it right. I was almost half expecting him to interrupt me and say, that's not how you say my name. He's nice. Plus, he's Canadian. They will not correct us. They're too know, friendly. Canadians, not all Canadians are nice. Let me tell you something. You ever go to Montreal? I just told the story. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 